1: It's time to step away from the everyday. Pack up, hit the road, have an adventure. If you're out to explore our great state of Queensland, we want to help.
2: It's being out with the breeze, with the bird song, with the kangaroos in the evening and the morning light. And the crunch on gravel underfoot is just... Quite lovely.
1: So come on, meet some new friends, and take a Queensland adventure with us. G'day, welcome to the Southern Downs and Granite Belt, a place where you'll get a warm country welcome just a couple of hours' drive southwest of Brisbane. I hope you're feeling peckish because this episode is all about food. Perhaps you could go for a giant slice of apple pie, an organically produced rump steak prepared by a gourmet chef, of course, or maybe award-winning wine and cheese are more your style. If you want to sample a few new flavours or you're here for a feast... You've picked the right place. There's a veritable smorgasbord out here.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, it's um, three mini main courses. So.
1: Here's Andrew Simpson, executive chef at the College of Wine, Tourism in Stanthorpe. Halloumi salad,
0: halloumi and roast carrot, uh, a green French lentil salad uh, rocket beetroot relish is on that in the middle we're doing a root vegetable salad topped with uh, half a uh, gluten free tempura quail uh, that's with a deep uh, roasted sesame seed dressing and the last one is a lamb terrine on pea puree with some um, red wine jus and roasted truss tomatoes.
1: Has he wet your appetite yet? <laughs>
0: yes. Yum. It's a good sized meal.
1: I'm Sally Eels, and I'm going to introduce you to just a handful of the local producers, culinary experts and personalities you'll find out this way. Now, before we go to the dining room or even the kitchen, we're heading out to the land to discover what's growing and grazing on the Southern Downs. Wait, wait. That's the sound of Rowan Morris's bullock team at Glen Eden Farm at Maryvale, just over Cunningham's Gap.
3: My bullocks now are not a requirement because we've got the machines that replace them, but they're just a really nice way to do things like bringing home fence posts or firewood timber or logs for my sawmill.
1: Rowan's one of the only bullockies in Australia. It's a hobby he's had since he was a teenager, and you can find out more about it in our Culture and History episode on the Southern Downs. Rowan grew up on a farm but trained to be a schoolteacher. He met his wife Fiona at university and after years of working the daily grind, they escaped to the picturesque Glen Eden to produce exceptional quality organic food, beef, pork, lamb and
2: vegetables. Well we chose this particular spot uh, because it supposedly, no, it does get good rain usually so we're tucked into on the edge of the main range near Cunningham's Gap. It's got beautiful black soil so it's highly productive. Um, It had forest on it which um, is an integral part for us of a productive farm. The forest provides the, um, the nutrient in the soil that moves down the landscape. So forest is important, vegetation is very important. Um, It has the wildlife in it that keeps the whole system moving um, and it keeps things nice and clean and beautiful. So we picked here because we were close to people as well. So we were not far from Brisbane, an hour and a half, um, an hour and a half from Toowoomba and close to Warwick. Um, And it's just a beautiful place with all the mountains and lots of trees. It's great. nestled in the bush
1: and perched on the edge of a small gorge overlooking a creek and swimming hole where a handmade swing drifts back and forth from the branch of a giant jacaranda and chickens hatch in an incubator on the back veranda alongside
2: a box of newborn puppies. (laughs) You're so cute. Uh, It was both our dreams, I think, maybe different ways. Um, The first one was the lifestyle. So giving our kids an opportunity to grow up on a farm just like their dad did. For Rowan it was being able to have the dream of being a farmer again and to live on a farm. And for me it was an opportunity to use the things that I'd learnt over the many years working with the local land care groups and to do it on my patch. So to try and rescue the land in a way, regenerate it and give it to my kids in better condition than we found it.
1: Fiona and Rowan are dedicated environmentalists, and their farming practices reflect that.
3: Basically, we're trying to apply every ethic which is important to us to the business of growing food and supplying it to our local community. So, we're trying to look after the health of our soil and the soil biology, the health of our flora and fauna, the health of our animals and plants that we grow, and the health of the people that eat the food.
2: So we farm quite a lot of different things, and that's because nature is not one thing. Nature is diversity. So the aim is to have as many different plants and animals on here as possible because they all use and move around the landscape in a different way. So we have pigs which are outside on pasture, so they're called pastured pigs. So not just grass but pasture, so all the different plants that grow herbs and tubes and tube stock and everything that grows that they can eat so pigs outside in the forest um, so we have a specific breed for that so we have a Wessex saddle breed they're bred to be in the forest they're very smart we have our sheep which are a Damara Dorpa cross Uh, we're also crossing them now with a British breed um, they're also outside free range, on um, on a very new multi-species crop that we direct drilled, which has worked beautifully now that we've had some rain. Um, we have our cattle. We use a very old-fashioned method again for those strip cropping, um, so that they uh, move along the country and use it without going back to where they were for, which leads to overgrazing. Um, then we have our chickens that are our fertilisers. So they produce eggs, which is fantastic. Um, which is a benefit, but really they're there to fertilise the land and for the new things coming in to grow.
3: We earn our living from growing food and from bringing people who are stuck in suburbia out and helping them to reconnect with the countryside.
1: The Morris family invites visitors to their farm to buy their organic meat and whatever else is growing in their giant veggie patch. You can help out. Milk a cow, feed the chooks, learn about blacksmithing, bullock teams, organic food production and plenty more in an abundance of workshops. Or you can stay a few nights by booking an amenities-free
2: campsite and pitching a tent near the creek. Definitely, we want to have a connection so that we can show people and give people a chance to explore how food can be produced in a way that's delicious, <laughs> um, but also Highly nutritious and that looks after the land. I think the best thing is being able to hear the laughter as we're working. Yes, we work really hard 24-7, but hearing the kids swimming in the creek, hearing the campers enjoying themselves and knowing that the food that I'm giving not only my children but other people's children is good for them and is not going to have long-term consequences that we don't know about yet.
1: About an hour down the highway, turn off at Cottonvale to stock up on locally grown produce. Sam's farm fresh fruit and veggies is a landmark in these parts. And Sam himself is quite the local identity. He knows everyone. And everyone knows him. And that laugh. (laughs) Sam Giacca used to be an apple farmer. But when the big supermarkets got too picky about how perfect the apples should look, he got annoyed. Okay, about 20
4: years ago, we grew a lot of Granny Smith apples. And back then, and not so much today, we, it was a pretty big outlet for Granny Smith apples, small ones, into Hong Kong, Singapore, Asia, New Butte. Larger ones went onto the Australian market. OK, well what happened was, at one year, that last year I grew apples, the specs for me to export were less stringent than our local specs for our supermarkets. I saw the writing on the wall thinking that this is not going to get any better, the specs are going to get harder and harder.
1: When he talks about specs, he means specifications. The apples had to be a certain size, shape, colour and blemish free. That didn't go down well with Sam. His parents were Italian migrants who survived World War II in Europe. They knew what it was like to be hungry and instilled in their children that all food is precious.
4: Well, mate, I've had the waste thing drummed into my head by my parents when I was a kid. You know, they, they, they went through World War II in Europe. You know, i got all the, the, the starving stories and everything else and I was taught to appreciate food at a very young age. You know, we're very, very, you know, fortunate. In, in Australia.
1: So, Sam embarked on an anti-waste enterprise, selling fresh, seasonal, local produce that wasn't pretty enough for the big retailers. The only criteria, it must taste good. And,
4: and everybody still uses, you know, tomatoes to make relishes and, you know, sauces and jams. People still use apples to juice and, and and so on and so on. You know, it's and and I just my pettiest hate is seeing food waste.
1: Farmers are happy because they're not ploughing as much good food into the ground. Sam's customers are too. He sells to anyone who drops by. A lot of locals and restaurants as well. One of those restaurants is Stanthorpe's College of Wine Tourism, where students train in hospitality and cooking. We introduced executive chef Andrew Drew Simpson a little earlier.
0: So basically we're a commercial um, operation, but within it we do training. So we operate five days a week, we're open to the public, lunches, uh, Friday, Saturday night dinners, um, and and more or less um, as the week goes on, students come in at different stages at different levels and basically help out and learn what we're doing.
1: The restaurant's open five days a week for public lunches and for dinner on Friday and Saturday nights. You can book a function or a cooking class, and the menu's impressive. Apples, pears and wine are traditionally known as the fare of the Southern Downs.
0: We always um, have some sort of um, apple and pear dish on the menu, um, being that it is Stanthorpe. So we do a really nice apple and pear coleslaw, basically, that um, goes with a few of our dishes.
1: And quite a lot of bottles of wine out there as well. Yes, yes. However, there's also an abundance of stone fruit, berries and veggies grown out here, including potatoes galore above the picturesque Queen Mary Falls near Kalani.
2: That beautiful red soil is highly prized
1: by potato farmers and Wickham's Farms grow a lot of their potatoes up there that are actually sent all over Queensland. So if you eat Coles potatoes, it's very likely that they have come from Kalani at some point. So that was Louise Brosnan, a passionate Kalani local. Uh, And then basically the beauty of the place called me back. We'll be hearing more from her in other episodes. But back to what's on the menu. As I was saying, there's an abundance of fruit and veggies grown out here. Also lamb, pork, cheese and in winter... Even truffles,
0: uh, you little fellas that pop up at certain times of year. So we get some winter truffles, um, you know, for about two months a year. (laughs) Hundred odd bucks a kilo. I don't think people realise what a salad bowl that the granite belt is. And and yes, we sort of shut down to a degree in winter time when when it's really cold. Um, But we're still cool enough in summer to grow those strawberries and and um, you know raspberries and.
1: There's always something new to experiment with. Ah
0: uh, we're actually we're in the process of um, blueberries. I have about a thousand blueberry plants um under plastic at the moment, so uh, this will be our first year picking this January we should get, end up with a a decent decent crop off yeah.
1: Sam's lined up to sell some of what Andrew grows, and he's planning to create a sweet blueberry treat as well.
0: Possibly a little ice cream line or something like that.
1: Maybe it'll be on the dessert menu soon. Actually, if you're after something sweet, perhaps a slice of apple pie would do the trick. I say slice with much hesitation. It may take you a while to get through a piece. You see, Roz Sutton's apple pie is no ordinary apple pie.
5: Uh, There's around 22, 24 apples in each apple pie, so they are rather large, they weigh two and a half kilos, Um, and we serve it with a beautiful spice cider ice cream that's made
1: for us, Um, and it's incredibly popular. It's delicious. Take it from one who knows. Roz and her husband Dave run Sutton's Juice Factory, Cidery and Cafe at Thalimba. You'll find it a 10-minute drive from Stanthorpe beside the New England Highway opposite the Big Apple. That's the sound of apples being juiced and bottled on site. The Sutton's bought an apple orchard here in the 1990s, having already worked on farms out west and a prawn trawler up north. They started growing raspberries and blackberries as well, then after finding there are a lot of reject apples, they decided to do something with them. And
5: the first thing to do was to squash the apples, get the juice out. Then the next natural process is the natural fermentation of apple juice into cider, and from there you can actually ferment it again with the natural acetobacteria bacteria that are in the atmosphere and to make apple cider vinegar with the mother of vinegar. The other thing we do here is we make a lot of preserves and those preserves are made out of fruit and vegetables grown in this area and in the southern region of Queensland where we can't source them locally and so those are always second grade fruit and vegetables and we turn them into preserves and people love the farm
1: style home style preserves that we make. They tested a variety of juices at farmers markets. After a few years they decided to turn the old packing shed into a shop and later a cafe as well. Now both are so popular they operate seven days a week. People
5: love sitting in our cafe garden and seeing the wild cockatoos, the magpies, the peewees, Um, and so the little wrens are out there in the trees buzzing around, people just love all of that. We also have a mob of kangaroos living in our orchard and they go through to the natural bush during the day and then they hop through the cafe garden each afternoon, come back for their um, grass that they like for their evening meal.
1: Their products also sell at local shops, accommodation houses and gourmet food stores across southeast Queensland. We love showcasing apple and what you can do with apples. The other thing the Southern Downs is known for is wine. You'll see plenty of vineyards in these parts. A 30-minute drive southwest of Sutton's Juice Factory and you're in Ballandine, home to the area's oldest winery, Ballandine Estate. Leanne Puglisi is the fourth generation of her Sicilian family to work the land.
6: So in 1928, my great grandfather arrived in the Granite Belt from North Queensland. He'd actually been in Australia on and off since 1911. So when he arrived in the Granite Belt, he had a job at a local farm just down the road until he had enough money to purchase this farm in 1928. And uh, he and his daughter, my grandmother, started making wine here in the early 30s. And that tradition's continued until now.
1: Ironically, winemaking was only ever meant to be a side business until Leanne's parents bought the business in 1968, opening to the public two years later as a commercial winery.
6: Yes, well, you know, all Italians make a bit of wine on the side and uh, I guess it was a a, um, hobby that went a little bit out of control. They were making quite a lot of wine and that wine was being shipped all over Queensland mostly to European settlers wherever they were so many in North Queensland out West and my father always talks about you know growing up and delivering fruit and wine out West to places like Texas and Gundawindi and all those places out there. They worked with the tobacco farmers and he kind of thought well you know that maybe there's something in this industry Uh, and that was his intention when he bought the farm with mum their goal was to become a commercial winery based here in Queensland. Things have come a long way since the 70s. Yeah, well, you know, um, dad won his first gold medal at the Brisbane wine show in 1974. So that was a bit of a coup at the time because they didn't, people didn't even know that wine was being produced in any kind of commercial basis in Queensland. So, you know, from the start, he made a bit of a splash. And from then on, it's been a hard slog, you know, um, for many years, we've copped a lot of criticism for, for making wine in Queensland people just assume that when you hit the border at Wollongarra, there's going to be pineapples and palm trees, you know, they don't realise that our vineyards are situated a thousand metres above sea level. We're one of the highest wine growing regions in Australia, so uh, the cool climate is what attracts the, the grape growers and the winemakers and it uh, gives us our unique climate here in Queensland. Now Queensland's Southern Downs is one of the most awarded wine
1: regions in Australia. Many growers are now experimenting with new grape varieties and combinations to create new flavours.
6: So 50 years ago, we planted varieties that were popular in Australia, varieties that we thought people would buy, and that was Shiraz, Semillon, Cabernet, Riesling and Chardonnay. So those five varieties were popular in Australia. We knew we would be able to sell them. Mum and Dad, I guess, kind of naively assumed in those days that bottle shops would want to buy the wines. Uh, We quickly realized that tourism was going to be the way we sold our wines, attracting people to the region uh, to taste and buy the wines. Uh, Here we are 50 years later, and it's more about finding unusual varieties from anywhere in the world that has similar climate and soil to us. So we're planting things now like Saparavis, we've got Nebbiolo, uh, we've got Malvasia, Muscatujalo, we've got all these unusual varieties. And in the last 10 or 15 years, the Australian consumer has become more aware of these unusual varieties and are seeking them out. There are now 28 different grape varieties
1: growing on the Downs. Hence the development of the Strange Bird Wine Trail, a must for true connoisseurs.
6: So Strange Bird is like an appellation. So we created a set of rules 15 years ago. Uh, So if you want your uh, wine to be part of the Strange Bird Wine Trail, which we produce a a, a, um, pamphlet about it with a wine trail map, and people can come to the Granite Belt and taste all of these unusual varieties. Um, So the rules are that it has to be a variety that is less than 1% of the national crush. So they are often very very rare varieties. Uh, The grapes must be grown in the granite belt and the wine must be produced here. So a few rules that are pretty easy to stick to uh, and you can then claim your wine to be a strange bird and it goes onto the wine trail.
1: With around 30 local wineries now listed on the trail, you'll need at least a few days to visit them all. Otherwise, at Ballandine Estate, the cellar doors open every day for wine tastings and it's a good idea to book ahead. There are vineyard tours. Come and watch the sunset while enjoying a picnic prepared by the on-site restaurant.
6: So the Barrel Room restaurant, it's got a very big reputation, Uh, Matt and Bobby, uh, Uh, lease a restaurant from us and they uh, run a a magical operation. Their food is fantastic, Italian-inspired, so it goes with our story. Uh, So, you know, you can buy a lovely bottle of Viognier and uh, enjoy that with mushroom tortelloni with Ballandine truffles. So uh, (laughs) they're trying to keep it as regional as they can.
1: And on the wine list, names which honour the family's heritage, Leanne's grandparents and great-grandparents.
6: We're very, very proud of our heritage and, and what great granddad, grandma, and granddad did. Uh, and you know, we've we've got um, tribute wines in their honour uh, on our list because our, our history is a very important part. So I guess in the next few years there'll be tribute wines to Angelo and Mary as well. <laughs> Mum and Dad would love a wine named after them, I'm sure.
1: And perhaps one day Leanne's name will also be on that list. Eating fresh and eating local is what the Southern Downs is all about. We've only just sampled a small selection of what's on offer out here. A few other places you won't want to miss. For cheese lovers, there's Stanthorpe Cheese and Jersey Girls Cafe at the Limba, with flavours as exotic as Brass Monkey Blue and as unforgettable as the Outlaw. At Glen Applin, there's the Jamworks Gourmet Food Cafe and Larder, where you can stop for a bite, or stock up on supplies for your own pantry or those of your friends. And when you're passing through Warwick, be sure to drop by the Bluebird Kitchen and Smokehouse. And if that's still not enough options to help you fill your esky or your tummy, well, there are plenty more to choose from. Just chat to a local and they'll point you in the direction of whatever flavours you fancy. Thanks for joining us on this episode celebrating food, glorious food on the Southern Downs. Be sure to check out our other episodes on the Southern Downs, sights and the scenery. And lots of hiking. Girraween National Park is just down the road. Culture and history. And for adventure lovers, what to do when the adrenaline kicks in on the granite belt.
0: Yeah, it's unreal. Like, If you like bouldering, it's the place to come to.
1: This podcast is a production of The Pod Squad, a team of media professionals dedicated to bringing you the best of Queensland from the locals who love it. I'm Sally Eels, writer, presenter and producer of Queensland Adventures. Sound design, Mark Wright. Camera, editing, social media and promotion, Sean and Katie Smith from Grizzly Bear Media. Marketing, Kim Scubris. Graphics, Luke C. Theme music written and performed by Julian Doe. Thanks to the Southern Downs Council and Mayor Vic Panisi for their support. See you soon on your next Queensland adventure.